The Print Files, where we bring you the inside story on the printing industry by Print21, the people who know print. G'day and welcome to the latest episode of It's Been a Big Month in Print, the podcast for the print industry from The Print Files, where we dig deep into the big issues impacting the industry here each month. I'm Wayne Robinson, editor of the Print 21 Media Hub. And I'm Lindy Houston, publisher of Print 21 and of PKN Packaging News. Well, Wayne, August was very busy, to say the least, in print with major investments. So let's get right to the main story, the collapse of Avato and its potential purchase by IVE. What's happening there? Well, Lindy, it's a wait and see uh, situation at the moment. Everything is in the hands of the ACCC, IVE has bid for the company or part of the company. We don't know what. It's not allowed to say. The administrator won't tell me. The um, ACCC won't tell me. And I've, of course, won't tell me. But uh, yeah, I've has put a bid in. There's no other bidders. Our media hasn't bid. Uh, Left Field Print Group from China, they haven't bid. Um, so we're all waiting on the ACCC. The ACCC has said that it will expedite the decision. It said it will be a truncated process because, of course, each day that the ACCC takes... Uh, the administrator is having to fork out for the wages of the several hundred staff that are involved uh, at the Ovato plants. So at the moment, everything's on hold. We hope that this decision will be coming soon, uh, and uh, but we're waiting for that to happen. So we don't know what IVE is offering to buy, Wayne. Uh, now, Ovato has a super site with seven heat set webs in Sydney, more in Perth and Brisbane. That's a lot of firepower. It's hard to see that IVE, which has an equally impressive battery of heat set presses located in Sydney and Melbourne and one in Perth, wanting all that production power. Its own presses are, by all accounts, far from full. And with little in the way of significant growth prospects for magazines or catalogues, it seems, unfortunately, that many of the presses and the jobs may be lost. Yeah, well, you're right there, Lindy. There is an awful lot of capacity in the heat set market. Uh, and that capacity was bought at a time when the volume of, of heat set print, magazines and catalogues, uh, were far higher than they are today. Coles, for instance, which actually uh, I've prints the Coles catalogue, uh, that was 10,000 tonnes of print a year. Um, that's gone. Uh, and so the, that Coles catalogue was 7 million, a 7 million run catalogue every week. Uh, other catalogues came out are going as well. Woolworths isn't doing as many. So there's an awful lot of capacity for what is a shrinking volume market. I've spoken to quite a few players, as you can imagine, quite a few people in the industry about this over the last couple of weeks. Uh, and many people think that uh, 80%, up to 80% of the Ovato work could be absorbed by the IVE presses. Uh, those presses, fantastic German engineering, man rolling presses, they can run 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Uh, the plants are kitted up for that. Uh, they're so automated, fantastic. We went to the uh, IVE plant out in uh, Western Sydney when it launched there, the new Franklin website. Um, fantastic engineering. So the, the odds of IVE buying all the presses and all those presses and plants staying in, in uh, the state they're in, well, they are thin. Some people say they're, they're, they're quite thin. Okay, so let's just take a closer look at IVE. They've just released their full year figures, which are all looking good, up, and it um, has some very interesting pointers in their annual report. It seems that IVE is already looking beyond the Ovato deal and will be entering the packaging market in a significant way, Wayne. Uh, yeah, IVE, uh, in its annual report, just released, 
has said uh, that it is it has been uh, working with an uh, expert advisory company on packaging. It's an area that it's been looking at for some time. Hive is really big, obviously, in heat set printing. It's really big in retail display. Packaging is a clear market opportunity for a company with, of Hive's size, one that's not really into any significant uh, degree at the moment. Um, it obviously has the skill set to, to produce much packaging. I uh, spoke with Jeff Selig. He said that fiber-based packaging would be where the company would be starting. Uh, Hive has set aside 30 to $40 million dollars in the next 12 months to acquire a packaging company or companies. Um, its strategy uh, in other fields has been acquisition and consolidation. Heat set, that's happened. Retail, retail display, that's also happened. And so we would imagine that a similar template is going to be happening in the packaging market for IVE, where it could become uh, a significant player. And by the way, Jeff told me that 30 to 40 million, uh, that's he said we've got plenty more fuel to put into it uh, apart from that. Ives annual report shows that it's actually got $67 million in cash uh, sitting in the bank. Its debt now is only $77 million right down. So it's, a, it's effectively a cash-rich company uh, taking strategic advice that it, uh, it says is, its entry into the packaging market is essentially sound. Uh, it will be starting off in fiber-based packaging. I just mentioned that. Uh, and we'll be using that as a base. Ives figures for the year were were terrific. Its sales up 16%, $759 million now. Uh, its net profit up 66%. And what that tells us is that it's uh, really getting a handle on its costs. Uh, essentially, it's making more per, more per page than it was making before uh, because 66% to 16%. So it's really got a handle on its cost. The company has managed, it's actually spent more money this year on its inventory uh, to deal with supply side issues, you know, by, buying in more paper uh, effectively and more supply to make sure it's not caught short. Uh, but a terrific set of figures. Um, the, the, uh, the company has, um, is a bit increased by 13% to almost $100 million. So uh, overall for the year, for the 1,800 employees of IVE, uh, a terrific year. Contrast, of course, with Avato, its main rival in the heatset world, which has effectively collapsed. Well, it is results season. Um, so moving along from the IVE results, one of the companies that we keep an eye on is Amcor, of course, the Australian-founded global packaging giant now based in the US since its takeover um, of Bemis a couple of years ago. It's got 225 plants around the world. It is a mega packaging company. CEO Rondelier described the results as outstanding, of course, and says that the company will continue with strong growth in the new financial year after reporting upticks in all its figures for 2022 year, with the fourth quarter the best of all. Now, one of the more interesting developments was an increase in its stake in EPAC, into which it first invested a year ago. And EPAC itself has major news. What's going on there, Wayne? Uh, yeah, you're right, Lindy. E, um, Amcor invested in EPAC in uh, May last year. And it, that was its first partial stake in a new technology type of company. Of course, Amcor has made, been acquisitive over the years. But this is the first time it hasn't acquired the whole company. It's just taken a stake. And it's now going to increase that stake. EPAC, an amazing story, six, year, six years old, started in San Diego. Its vision was to supply short-run, on-demand pouches to entrepreneurial startup uh, people, effectively the people that, that are developing their own craft versions or to start with their craft versions or short-run versions of uh, food, nutritionals, coffee, 
Uh, EPAC's vision was to give small brands a big brand marketing power by effectively giving, giving them the whole pouch to print on. Uh, before, of course, if you were a small brand, basically all you could do is buy standard pouches and stick a label on. Uh, so you weren't competing in the minds of the perception of the consumer. Now they are. They've got, in six years, they've built, opened 24 plants around the world. One of those in Melbourne. It started in business only in November last year, only officially opened in May. Uh, now they are, uh, EPAC has announced opening 11 more plants around the world taking it up to 35, and then one of those new plants will be in Australia or New Zealand. Uh, EPAC is just currently deciding between two or three locations uh, and which one it's going to go for. But yeah, a, ter- a terrific story of using new technology, market trends, the way society is going uh, to create this really big, successful business. Yeah, well, really looking forward to seeing where that plant is going to end up. Now, staying in packaging, which is clearly a theme this month, Opal Group is spending $140 million to build a new greenfield site in regional Victoria to manufacture cardboard packaging, which will pump out north of 160 million square meters of corrugated each year. Again, fiber-based, showing strong growth, Wayne. Yeah, and that new plant will have four converting machines, four lines with printing, a combination of Bob's folder gluers, Gerfurt rotary die cutters, inline printing. Uh, they'll be housed in a new facility currently being built in Wodonga. Holbury, Wodonga, as we know, is a real hotspot for manufacturing investment uh, on, there on the Victoria New South Wales border. Opal is a major supplier of high-volume custom-printed uh, folding cartons to brands across Australia and New Zealand. The company currently runs Litho, it runs Flexo, and it's got the first and only, in fact, EFI Nozomi Digital Carton Press uh, printing uh, its uh, plant in Oakley there. Yes, Wayne. So Opal already has the capability to deliver a range of solutions encompassing custom printed folding cartons and carton sleeves, quick serve restaurant cartons, carry packs, facial tissue cartons. Gosh, we saw a great deal of these um, on display at OzPack recently. Um, Its folding carton printing capabilities include graphic and pre-press design, flexo printing, post print and litho printing. Now, the new facility is a strategic investment by parent company Nippon Paper Group, and it enables Opal to meet increasing market demand for corrugated cardboard packaging. The total of $140 million investment includes the cost of the land, the facility construction, and the tech and equipment, which will be a mix of locally and internationally sourced kit to fit out that plant. Yeah, it's been a packaging theme month, Lindy. Uh, Ive is uh, investing in packaging. Uh, Amcor investing in EPAC, as well as its own business, of course. Opal, $140 million in a new corrugated plant. Uh, it highlights really the great opportunities that there are for print businesses in this rapidly evolving market. Uh, these are all the big businesses, the big end of town, but uh, there's plenty of opportunity for medium-sized and small-sized businesses. We've got stories about this actually coming up in an upcoming issue of uh, Print 21. Um, let's end this section with a, a word on Close the Loop, though. Uh, it's acquired Innovative Material Recycling Business Alliance Paper, and the aim is to develop products that will hasten the switch from plastic to fiber-based packaging, one of, one of the big trends in the market. Yes, Wayne, so it is aiming to launch paper-based alternatives to packaging for areas, including pouches and flow wrap packaging. I got that from Joe Foster, the CEO of Close the Loop Group. Um, Close the Loop, he says, has already been trialing the new fiber-based products with Alliance Paper through its OF Flexo division. So what we're looking at there is the development of fiber-based paper pouches with enough barrier properties um, so that we can do away with plastic. 
Um, he said the opportunities that this acquisition opens up for the group, both in Australia and the US market, are huge and exciting for packaging and for circular recycling. Yeah, that's exciting to see. You know, industry, brands, technology developers working really hard together to create a more environmentally friendly business. Packaging, as we know, is under the pump uh, when it comes to environmental concerns, but the industry you have to say, left to its own devices, is really working hard to present, to, to create a sustainable circular economy. It's great to see. Um, print itself is, is embracing the green challenge. In fact, some people say no industry has greened itself over the years more than print. If you go back to 30, 40 years ago, well, I think we've discussed this in an earlier podcast, print was a, a very dirty business, uh, but but not so now. And, and the latest move, major print materials and machinery supplier Spices is instigated its own journey to carbon neutrality. It's partnered with their not-for-profit environmental organization, Greenfleet, in order to do that. Yes, yeah, so Spices uh, will now be offsetting CO2 emissions relating to its Australian operations. Greenfleet, as you probably know, plants native biodiverse forests to capture carbon emissions and help fight the impacts of climate change. Yeah, and talking of uh, planting forests, Linda, you were planting trees the other day. What was all that about? <laughs> oh, yeah, that was great. Um, so tube manufacturer and uh, printer, I guess, because they do print the tubes, Impact International, um, they've got a carbon offset forest, uh, Wayne, and, and it's now expanding. They launched this about in 2020. Um, and at the time, they had a few brands come on board. But now they've got as many as 20 brands across this forest. The forest is located quite close to Canberra, about 40 minutes outside. Um, and they hosted a tree planting day for customers earlier this week. And this was attended by the Minister for Climate Change and Energy, Chris Bowen, um, who expressed his very strong support of Impact's efforts to lighten its footprint. Um, he is quite familiar with some of Impact's other sustainability initiatives as well. He was the guy who was there opening the solar farm that Impact has as its, at its Smithfield facility. Now, we were there at the tree planting, PKN. We joined Alex Levick, um, the Impact MD, and a group of about 60 representing Australian brand owners from the personal care and skincare markets who are part of this forest program. And we helped to plant about 8,500 trees. We, of course, didn't do as many. There was some semi-automated planting. Um, and it's a mix of pinus radiator saplings that we were planting and also natives. Now, because this forest is used for wildlife protection and rehabilitation, as well as to reduce the carbon footprint of Impact's customers' packaging and supply chain. And I must say, Chris Bowen, he spoke really beautifully about the whole thing. He really endorses the scheme. He was very complimentary about the company's sustainability ethos and initiatives. Impact International is a long-valued Smithfield institution. It's a third-generation family-owned business and a very respected employer in the area. It is working hard, he says, to ensure that they leave a light footprint on the planet. Mm, it's fantastic to see. So Impact International, let me get this right. So Impact International, which is a, a multi-award winning business, it regularly takes gold in the National Prince Awards in its category. They... Uh, are planting this forest to uh, to offset the emissions that are produced from their factory and their production. So presumably they have some kind of way of measuring that, do they, and equating one to the other? Yes, so they um, they do and they are reporting, will be reporting issued on that, uh, Wayne. I can't, I can't go into the details of that now because I fear we're going to be out of time. Um, but it is a pretty robust methodology that they're applying. 
Yeah, great to see. And you know, Impact's one of the many companies in the printing and the packaging industry that is really taking the bull by the horns and, and uh, walking the walk. Uh, Kuhn Corp, uh, many uh, listeners will know, is the business of Walter Kuhn, the uh, former president of PVCA. Uh, Kuhn Corp has just doubled its solar uh, panels on its roof. In fact, it's the entire roof now, every square millimeter in Skerrick is now covered with a solar panel uh, from which they derive about 75% of their power. And in peak sunny times, they're putting energy back into the grid. Uh, and the Kuncorp is just one of the many companies that are doing that. Before we go, as you say, time's cracking on, Liddy. Uh, before we go, I just want to also give a shout out to a company called Graphico in Melbourne, uh, a boutique printed wallpaper and art and signage business. Uh, they've just taken out a top award in the Lord Mayor's Small Business Awards for Melbourne. Well done, Damien Adele Corney. And I, I mentioned that as an indication that print has plenty of opportunities. Wallpaper, art and signage, fantastic, fantastic niche business to be in. And a well-run print business can obviously find a, a great market. So, well... Yes, we'll have to leave it there, Wayne. But and there is so much, as you said, with we could talk about the alleged four hundred and fifty million dollar false accounting case between what was Fuji Xerox and its senior execs um, that were led by Neil Whitaker has now been settled. Curry Group is bringing AR to service support, augmented reality. That's really exciting. The Chadwicks um, have sold Sunshine Coast based Express Print and Mail. And there's a lot more detail on all of these stories on the um, Print21 website. Isn't that so? Yeah, they're all there. They're all there. They're all, you can go in and find out everything that's been going on. Uh, Print21 will will provide uh, or does provide the entire nations of Australia and New Zealand with full insight on all these stories and more that we've discussed about today. Uh, and those ones that you highlight there are of interest as well, Lindy. So, well, on that note, we better wrap this episode up. It has been a big month in print and there can be no doubt about that. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We do value your feedback as always. So, that's it from me, Lindy Hewson, saying goodbye. And it's goodbye from this episode of The Print Files from me, Wayne Robinson. We look forward to you joining us again next time for It's Been a Big Month in Print. The Print Files podcast is produced by Southern Skies Media on behalf of Print 21, owned and published by Yaffa Media. The views of the people featured on this podcast do not necessarily represent those of Print 21, Yaffa Media, or the guest's employer. The contents are copyright by Yaffa Media. If you wish to use any of this podcast audio, please contact Print 21 via their website, that's print21.com.au, or send an email to editor at print21.com.au. You can subscribe to The Print Files via your preferred platform and read all the latest news on the printing industry at print21.com.au. You've been listening to a Yappa Media Podcast. Southern Skies Media.